Welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer broadcaster Dean Linky. Uniting coaches at every level of the game around the love of the game. We are United Soccer Coaches. Now, here's our host, Dean Linky. Hello, everybody. I'm Dean Lincoln. Welcome to another edition of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. Fresh off a fantastic 2020 United Soccer Coaches Convention in Baltimore. Are you kidding me? What a job that Jeff Van Dusen and the entire staff and volunteers and everybody involved did. It's a well-oiled machine. It is the place to be, and I was honored to be there yet again. I thank Jeff Van Dusen, I thank Lynn Burley Manuel, I thank Michael Knipper, Sean Chevro, Steve Veal, all the great folks at United Soccer Coaches, and more importantly, I thank each and every one of you for being there and for listening to this podcast. With that, I'm so excited about our show today. I was able to sit down during the convention with the CEO of United Soccer Coaches, Lynn Burling Manuel. If you think her job is easy, you are wrong. Big decisions have been made. Big decisions are looming. And Lynn is not afraid to mix it up. She's not afraid to make tough decisions. She's not afraid to deal with tough times. And she's not afraid to elevate the association at the right time. Lynn Burling Manuel, the CEO of United Soccer Coaches, up first, ready to tackle all questions. The name change, Major League Soccer not being there, getting a vote with U.S. Soccer, you name it. We pretty much talked about it. Lynn Burling Manuel kicks it off. Now, if you remember last year, between Podcast Row and emceeing a ton of events in the awards banquets, by the time it was all over, I had no voice. Well, this year, I had the great pleasure of being introduced several months ago to Megan O'Keefe, former center back for American University, somebody who played soccer at a high level, somebody who loves soccer, loves soccer. She works in television. She wants to be out front. She wants to mix it up. She wants to talk to the people that are making a difference. She's uncovering big stories. And you'll meet Megan O'Keefe, a young rising star who I compare to a few Future Aaron Andrews. You meet Megan, and then Megan sits down on her own with G. Guerreri, the almost 30 year head coach for Texas AM, where they get incredible crowds and where Texas AM women's soccer is always in the NCAA tournament. They're always challenging for a college cup, they're always challenging for a national championship, and G. Guerreri is always fantastic. Well, Megan O'Keefe uncovered the story that G. Guerreri was adopted as an infant. Not too long ago, G. Guerreri found his birth mother after his adopting mother passed away. What a story. G. Guerreri listens to our podcast every week. He walks with us as he tells you. And Megan O'Keefe breaks down an amazing story with G. Guerreri. So here we go. Lynn Berlin Manuel, CEO of United Soccer Coaches. You'll meet Megan O'Keefe, who I will now feature periodically on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. And Megan O'Keefe sits down with a very emotional G. Guerreri, head coach of the Texas A&M women's soccer team. How about that for a United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. Hope you enjoy it. Does managing your club or league feel like a second job? If so, you might need some help. With Team Snap, you can get it. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Plus, everything you need is online, which means no more trips to the bank, no more lost checks, and no more colossal spreadsheets. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with TeamSnap. Go to TeamSnap.com slash NSCAA1. Once again, here's Dean. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap on Podcast Row at the 2020 United Soccer Coaches Convention in Baltimore. And the star of stars, the CEO of United Soccer Coaches, Lynn Berling Manuel. This is your party. Everybody's welcome. It's the true unifier. It's interesting because we just had two celebrated journalists on and they're talking about the fact that you know, U.S. soccer is dealing with a lot. He's like, at the end of the day, United Soccer Coaches 
through everything has always kept everybody together, Lynn. It's true. You know, I think people forget we're an association. We're not governance. We're the one soccer organization that's not governance. We are a service organization for coaches. And that actually... You know, coaches are in every organization. They're at every level. And in this space, in this association, they all get to come together with around that common denominator. The politics kind of go away. The organizational conflicts go away. All of that kind of is not important from a coach's perspective. It's, it's for me, as a soccer person, there is a unique pleasure to that that we just don't see anywhere else. It's not lip service when they say sharing and learning. I think that's what people are doing here every second well and i it's interesting because over time we've really shifted the def and not we the world has shifted the definition of education mm-hmm. and 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 learning is actually i think a better term because there's so many ways to do that there's certainly the traditional courses and traditional sessions here at the convention but there is just as much learning that goes on of coaches talking to each other and that's the certainly can be the x's and o's but it's also you know how do you deal with your athletes director and you know I've got this crazy parent what do I do about that and it's amazing and everybody's got a, a, a take on it or had an experience and sharing is something that's really powerful it's a it's a unique thing they get to do the reality is coaching is often a relatively lonely isolated existence um, your peers are your competitors so you know finding a, an environment where you are off the pitch and you are not competitors but you are peers and you're our colleagues is is really a joy for most coaches and when they get that opportunity they'd love to take advantage of it so it, it has been really I think one of the blessings of this association um, it, most coaches associations for other sports are single level they are pro or they are college or they are high school and none of them are youth right. we are all of those in one association so fundamentally you know being a coach is the top common denominator being a coach at any level is what qualifies you to kind of join the club. And um, yeah, coaches love that. They love that. We learn from each other. It's, it's, a, it's a really exciting environment to be in. Here with Lynn Burling Manuel, the CEO for United Soccer Coaches. One of the things that has also always been important is recognizing the legacy of the great coaches. So, for instance, coming up at 2.30, I'll MC the Hall of Fame with Shellis Heinemann and Dr. Jay Martin, who have too many wins to count, but they're bigger than wins. They're they're about staying in touch with their athletes 30, you know, 40 years after the fact. United Soccer Coaches has always made sure, whether it's the Walt Chiswick or the Honor Award or like those two gentlemen, the Hall of Fame, that they do get recognized mm-hmm. for what they've done for the game. No, I think that's a really powerful thing. Um, my dad, you know, many years ago was an Honor Award winner of this association, mm-hmm. and it was something he cherished his entire life. Um, it, it, again, I think the, this association does better than most in both honoring its legacy, honoring its roots. Uh, We today build this association on the shoulders of thousands of coaches who've gone before us. And it is a fraternity, and I say that in the most gender neutral of ways because, you know, we are almost 20% female coaches as well. And, um, you know, pleasantly for me, we look at a legacy historically of, of female coaches, male coaches, coaches of color, um, high level, low level in this space. You know, coaches have been around. It, it could be a—I don't want to say a low-level high school coach, but a, a, a coach who just just coaches. But he's been involved in this organization for 40 years or 50 years. It's astonishing the amount of time. But we are, I think, 77, 78 years old this year. Um, I lose track, just like I do with my own age, frankly. And um, I, if you don't honor your past, if you don't honor your history, and really appreciate it, you lose so much. And I think a lot of organizations kind of sniff at their elders and I think that's a terrible mistake. We need to learn from them and keep them in our process and we do that very well. Um, and I'm just going to interrupt because you know, and you, you were going to ask me a question but I think about the Red Aprons. Right. I've never seen anything like that in another organization and what it is for those who haven't been at the convention before are our senior, our legacy members, that's probably our most politically correct term, um, really serve as 
helpers and greeters and welcomers to the association and to the convention and um, wear red aprons and they were telling me the story of, of how those red aprons were used the first time I think they found a box in a closet and had to just use them for something else and they thought oh that's cool that could identify us yeah, yeah. I, was, I was laughing at them but um, you know for a young coach to get the opportunity to connect with a senior coach is, is kind of a rare treat and this is an association that brings everybody together it's cool alright so with that those were the easy ones you mentioned the red aprons sure. you've been a part of some big moves including the name change mm-hmm. to United Soccer Coaches you've had a few years now with it Lynn mm-hmm. sure as you reflect on it talk about uh, the good the bad the indifferent uh, on the change a rebrand is sort of a cataclysmic change, mm-hmm. and um, from, from yeah, my, from my perspective, it's gone extraordinarily well, actually, and been adopted and and really very well received. But people ask, you know, why do you change your name? We were uh, an amalgamation of initials, the NSCAA, <laughs> and it's true, it kind of rolled off your tongue. I I certainly was an NSCAA member for years and years and years and years. But if you ask people, well, what does those stand for? Um, we actually found, and we did a year's worth of research before we made yeah. this change. It was shocking how few could actually tell you. Right. Well, it's national, and there's probably coaches in there somewhere. And <laughs> and for us, there was a, a variety of things. One of the smallest pieces, perhaps, was that um, we would like to, we wanted to remove ourselves from the alphabet soup of yeah, soccer. Okay. I mean, I don't know that there's another sport industry or place in anybody's lives that has as many initials that? as All we do. The, place, yeah. the acronyms, and frankly, I've been in the sport a long time, and my memory just doesn't serve well enough to have that many millions of acronyms. acronyms. It's crazy. Um, So, again, that was a small piece of this. The larger piece of it is for a very long time, our association had been positioned as an education organization. And we do extraordinary education. But you said it a while ago, um, learning is what coaches want to do. And it comes in many shapes and forms. But first and foremost, uh, our education is a benefit for our members. We're a membership association. And we wanted to tell a bigger story of who and what we are. Education and learning is very important, and we do it very, very well. But we also fundamentally are, I think, the only advocacy organization for coaches. Um, we believe coaches need, uh, protection is not the right word, but advocacy is. Mm-hmm. Um, advocating for better working conditions, advocating for um, uh, being well, better respected by their associations, by their clubs. Um, it's a hard job and for many it's a part-time job but it's a part-time job with small money and big time so many of us have talked about it you know this is the part-time job that takes up every bit of spare time you got and that three or four thousand dollars you earn as a high school coach puts you at about oh 15 cents an hour and we just want to have coaches have a very difficult time advocating for themselves sometimes Um, the buffer of an association who can speak on your behalf I think is very powerful. Um, and, and again, it was telling the bigger story. Education is very important to us. Advocacy is very important. And fundamentally, service, serving our coaches well. Um, we do. We have a full-time lobbyist, fundamentally, for our college coaches who, you know, works with NCAA um, uh, legislation. That's an advocacy piece. But so is trying to get better working conditions and, and um, um, better opportunities and again a respect for our profession um, I, I think for many of us we hear people talk about coaches really quite negatively a lot of the time and many of soccer ills seem to be blamed on soccer coaches and I think we take a we take a tad bit of offense at that saying yeah. no coaches are, drive this industry and they drive our sport I won't call it an industry um, they drive our sport in so many ways and coaches fundamentally love the game as much or more as anybody and their commitment to their athletes and the ability to learn to love the game that was important to us we wanted people to understand that coaches fundamentally no greater joy have they than to pass along that love of the game to the athletes they have so um, I think the rebrand has gone very well we wanted to shake 
the marketplace some and have them look at us with new eyes. People thought they knew what we did, and we would tell them, no, we do so much more than that. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, But it's like a lot of things in life. Um, sometimes you've got to shake it up. And a new logo is great, and I know that's a first step. We just decided that wasn't enough to shake it up. So we shook it up. At 77, we got the chance to, to take on a different position in the marketplace. Not different as in away from what we were, but just expanding and adding to what we were. Earlier, sure. you mentioned governance. Mm-hmm. You also mentioned lobbyists. You dug in last year a little bit to try to get a bigger seat at the table with U.S. soccer. Yep. Where are we on that? Well, the U.S. Soccer 2020 Annual General Meeting is open the Valentine's Day, February 14th in Nashville. And we have, again, submitted an amendment to the U.S. Soccer Bylaws. United Soccer Coaches is a member of U.S. Soccer. People don't realize that. And has been a member for a very long time. And yet, uh, we are in a category of membership, and it's only us and one other organization, the U.S. Um, Council, uh, excuse me, the U.S. Armed Forces Sports Council, which represents every sports and athletic program of every part of the military service of this country. We are the two members of the association who don't get to vote for a board member. Um, we can vote for bylaws. We can vote. We have the responsibility to vote for the for the budget. We can vote for uh, officers. We can even run for board members. We can't vote for them, mm-hmm. and we find that unacceptable. Yep. Uh, it's obvious for our association. It's about coaches, but I think just in general, philosophical. Philosophically and ethically, every member in good standing of U.S. soccer should have some representation in that boardroom. And we are bringing it. We, uh, we learned a lot last year when we submitted it the first time. We expected it to be a difficult process to get it passed. It was. Um, it did not fail. It did not get voted down. It simply got sent back to committee, which was a... A political learning experience for us, and but we have approached it a little differently this year. Um, we have met with all of the councils of U.S. Soccer, and we are very, very hopeful that it will be passed. And we expect to have that that vote on the board. Ben Berlin Manuel, as you sit here right now, is uh, we're just halfway through the 2020 United Soccer Coaches Convention, and uh, you begin another year as the CEO. Are there some key items? on your mind, some key initiatives, things that you're looking forward to short-term or long-term that uh, you want people to be aware of? Sure. You know, I'd say if there's one really interesting area for us that we're really excited about, it is our transitions in learning. Um, education, uh, United Soccer Coaches has always been very, very good at, at educating coaches. Um, in 2015, U.S. Soccer eliminated the sort of crossover between our pathway and the licensing pathway, which was a very frustrating step for U.S. soccer to take. Um, We have always said that U.S. soccer is indeed the only licensing body, much like the DMV, in a good way. Only the DMV can give you a driver's license, but many people can teach you to drive, and we still see ourselves as teachers. Um, We are really expanding what we think of as education and learning. Um, We're moving deeper and deeper into online and hybrid education. We are really reimagining much of what we do, um, and I think we are coming out to the other side of that in a way that is as innovative as anybody is in the marketplace in terms of how coaches learn. Every great coach is a lifelong learner. We want to make sure that at every level you are always having opportunities to expand your skills beyond the X's and O's. You know, how do you how do you how do you deal with the psychology and performance and the role of a coach has expanded so much and even beyond things that most people think about is how do you negotiate a contract? You know, how do you work with your athletic department? How do you work with your board of directors if you're at a club? How do you take those steps to be a DOC? How do you create a better career for yourself? Um, that may not be education as many people think of it in a traditional way, but in terms of learning and improving your coaching journey, we think those are really important. Like you always have been, you're not afraid for the tough questions. Major League Soccer has been such a key part of the convention over the years. This year, they're not here for the draft. You feel that a little bit. Talk to us about uh, them not being here this year. 
I miss them? Um, MLS has been a wonderful partner. Quite frankly, it continues to be a wonderful partner. It is doing some different things this year. They are putting on, or together, we're putting on a summit for uh, the affiliate clubs of, of, of uh, MLS. You know, the departure of the draft, they've talked about it for a long time, and it, if they had taken it to another venue, I would have been, I would have been, uh, had different feelings about it. In this case, I think their struggle has been, is an event the best way to do this? And um, their decision, and I think it was a business decision, was there was, I don't want to say cheaper ways to do it, but, you know, yeah, I mean, it's, it, putting on, the event that they've done over the years has been very expensive for them. There's no question, I would say that we had never gotten a, an attendee registration around the draft hmm. but the flip side of so in that sense it doesn't change our attendance yeah. but the flip side of it is there's an energy that we miss absolutely um, I, virtually all the coaches are our members hmm. and this makes it more difficult for them to be a part of the convention and we're disappointed for that and MLS is just a wonderful wonderful operation we miss their people being here as much as anything mm-hmm. so um, I don't want to diminish um, the value they have brought. I don't want to diminish that we're a little sad to see them not here, but you know, the fundamentals of the convention are just the same, and I think the energy of being in Baltimore is always fabulous, and it feels good here. NWSL, we are delighted to have them. We hope to keep them for a long time. Yeah, that place um, was packed. They did a great yeah. job. They're doing a great job, you know, and it's as somebody, and Dean, you're the same. I mean, we've watched the incarnations of women's mm-hmm. pro leagues and I don't want to say this was a women's pro league last chance but they weren't going to get a whole lot more no, uh-uh. and I give U.S. soccer a lot of credit I give its investors and owners a lot of credit I give the fans a ton of credit so um, the fact that they continue to be a partner they they continue to celebrate the collegiate player because for me if there's anything it is that celebration of the collegiate player and how important college is as a pathway to the pros MLS is struggling with that you know, what is the pathway to the pros in this country? Um, that's an interesting question for them, and I know they struggle with it. So I appreciate their business challenges. Um, we are still great friends, and um, Don Garber has been nothing but gracious and wonderful about this. And we've actually heard from a number of the teams, a number of the GMs and coaches, that they're disappointed to not be here this year. Go. Okay, yes. so maybe maybe they'll come back around. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, they have to decide. It's less about us and this event as it is about they have to decide make some fun fundamental choices about how they run their business. Got it. And the yeah. draft is uh, the draft was very expensive and the draft has you know, I, I think there was a challenge of how few college players really got the showcase perhaps right. on, on first teams yeah. to justify that. You know, I'm from Kansas City. I've just watched uh, the NFL draft get placed for 2023 in Kansas City and if you look at what the NFL draft has become, you still know that MLS has a lot of room to grow right. and a lot of room to mature and that's just something for us all to look forward to. That's yeah. not a criticism. No. That's just something to look forward to. Yeah. We're still, MLS is still young in the life cycle of a pro sport right. when you compare it to the NFL or Major League Baseball. We're, we've got growing and learning so I'm hoping they're back. Absolutely. I hope they'll be back. The door will always be open for them. Always. You mentioned the word celebrate and sad. You know, the other thing we do is we remember people we lost. I remember last year I was sitting next to Charlie Slago and Jim Sheldon. I mean, we'll have to reflect on them on Friday night uh, yeah. as every year we lose key people, right? You know, we do. This seems like a year where just our profession and our our sport took a harder hit. Yeah. Um, you know, very unexpected people. We lost too young under very, um, you know, just unexpected circumstances. And that's always such a disappointment. Frankly, I think it makes every one of us value each day a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And, you know, frankly, it's a, it's a reminder that you've got to take each day and each piece of your life with the respect that it deserves because, you know, no time is promised. And the one thing I will say, and Charlie Slagle was a past president, Jim Sheldon was um, had my seat previously. He really built out the association from a professional perspective. I mean, I would that I could look back on my life one day and say I had a life as good as they did mm. and, and gave as much. So uh, it's it's been a hard year in that way. Absolutely. Sometimes I get hit with, uh, hey, Dean, maybe 
maybe you're a little narcissistic. You're also a little bit sycophantic. And so, who are we referring to? You and me here. <laughs> me, yeah. Okay. Me. Good. Um, so I am. You might call it sycophantic, but Lynn, you know I'm a big fan. I feel like I never said that about you ever. Ever. <laughs> Say it again. Say it again. You're a big fan. <laughs> I'm a massive fan, and I feel like you've got. You're kind of galvanized. Like I feel like you're energized. Where you could be thinking about your swan song, but I feel like you still got a lot more to give. Uh, you know, United Soccer Coaches has been just a joy for me. It has. It is an organization that's been around a long time. We talked about it decades and decades, and yet it has reinvented itself many times. And that's, if there's one thing I like to think I'm good at, or at least I enjoy a lot, it is looking at things with new eyes, um, thinking about things in a strategic way, and not necessarily making changes for today, but starting changes today that are really changes yeah. that build to the future. So, yeah, no, I've yeah. I've had a blast. Um, I you never know when you're 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 going to move on to your next opportunity but this is um the i would say this is one of the best jobs i've ever had and um it's a lot of fun um it'll stop being fun the day we don't have things that that we can innovate things that we can change and things that we can do and this is an organization that that thrives on change so uh, not every day and not everybody but right. generally speaking sure. we thrive yeah, yeah. On not change. every day is perfect but i'm certainly enjoying the fruits your labor. And it's been fun. Excited that we're going to go every week now that uh, they gave me the yeah. news a couple weeks ago, and I know you were behind that, so thank you so much for that. Well, the podcast has been fabulous, and you know, actually we use the podcast as an example of the expanded definition of learning. You know, at one time, learning was something you did in a classroom, you did it in a very specific kind of environment. Today, learning comes in all shapes and sizes and delivery mechanisms. And if we think about the podcast, um, every episode has experts in so many different areas or people who have experience in so many different areas that they share. From my perspective, that is fundamentally learning and education. Amen. So, Thanks for the seat for that, no, too, by the way. I appreciate it. So happy it. to do it. Yeah, we're, it. We're glad to have you. Thank you so much. I'm one of your fans. <laughs> I'm one you. of your fans. So say it again. You're one of my fans? <laughs> yeah, I like that. I, I love it. There are days I need more. Let's just say that. There are days I need more. Well, you know I'm a big fan. Lynn Burling-Manuel, CEO you very of much, United Dean. Soccer Coaches. Thank you, Lynn. Happy to do it. Thank you very much for being my host, Dean. <laughs> my pleasure. And this is the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Teams Now. Looking for ways to improve your training sessions? Quick Goal has supplied the highest quality soccer goals, seating, field, and training equipment for over 30 years. From backyards to the world's greatest pitches, Quick Goal has products essential for every level of the game. As an official partner to the United Soccer Coaches and technical partner to U.S. Soccer, Quick Goal knows what equipment you need to take your game to the next level. Visit quickgoal.com to satisfy all your equipment needs. Welcome back to our coverage here at the 2020 United Soccer Coaches Convention in Baltimore Podcast Row, part of our evergreen for the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. Dean Linky, if you remember last year, by the time it was over, I had no voice for any of you, and I apologize for that, including Friday night. This year it's going to be different because we got a superstar that will be doing some podcasts, and hopefully we'll feature throughout the year. We'll try to figure all that out. We're talking about a young woman, Megan O'Keefe. I call her the next Erin Andrews. She oh wants boy. to be a soccer TV announcer, works in television, former center back at American University, which I'm a big fan of. Grew up in Fairfax, Northern Virginia. I guess a few other places as well. And now we get to hear the voice for the first time, and you're going to hear it more often. Megan O'Keefe, welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. Wow, no pressure there. Replacing <laughs> the voice of Dean Linky. Well, I'm, I'm very excited to be here, and I want to thank you for letting me be a part of this project here. And uh, what an awesome event. When I just walked in for 30 seconds, I was looking around like, what an amazing group of people. Thousands of people here with awesome backgrounds, so I'm excited to be a part of it. Yeah, and wait till you actually get to walk around and see the exhibit hall and stuff. You're going to be blown away because it's unbelievable, and they have great sessions. But, you know, we are going to put you to work, right? You're here to, to get things done. And at the end of the day, Megan, you showed ambition, and a lot of what this is about is about ambition. You've got a dream. You want to be on TV and you want to cover soccer, right? I mean, I've grown up around the sport my entire life. My dad put a ball at my feet the moment I could walk. I was the son he never had 
but yeah, I've been playing the sport my whole life. And then once I realized I was not going to be going on professionally after college, I thought I still want to incorporate soccer into my life. And what better way than to get a job talking about it? That's what you want to do is pursue a passion um, that has been a part of your life for so long. So I work in television production right now, um, creating highlights and really trying to focus on soccer while I do get to do a lot of other sports. But yeah, my goal is to go 24-7 soccer all the time. That's the dream. That's what I did my whole life. So uh, why not keep pushing on for that? We've talked a lot about uh, coaches here and we've asked them kind of who's been their key mentor, who inspired them. When it comes to thinking about women in sports broadcasting now, they're everywhere. They're making a difference. They're doing play-by-play for men's games. They're all female. The play-by-play, the analyst, sideline. That's got to inspire you. That's got to make you feel pretty good about your dreams. It, it really does. And it's really cool for me to get to watch these games, especially even men's games that have all-female broadcasters. I think they had a, their first all-female broadcast team just last year. And so mm-hmm. you see it growing. You see the popularity of women's soccer growing thanks to the massive success of the U.S. Women's National Team. And then you see those players that are on the national team getting into broadcasting and so it's cool that you have that background in soccer and that gives you a platform to then uh, pursue it further from just being a player is there one female broadcaster that you sit back and go whoa i like what she's about i like what she does I mean, gosh, it's hard to nail nail down just one, but I really see a lot in Maria Taylor. I see a lot of myself in her. I think right. she does a really good job of bringing her personality out. And, and she's she, very cerebral, yeah. Yeah, she's young, and she was a prior college athlete, and she just makes it really fun to watch. And you don't see her being nervous. You see her really coming out of her element, and then she gets her guests out of their element and kind of just being their own personality, which I just love to see, and I aspire to be like that. Because you're in production, you understand that doing this is not as easy as maybe it looks, right? I mean, it, it, it's not easy. No, it's, I mean, you think you have it all in your head of what you want to say and what you want to do, and then you get on air, all of a sudden the red light comes on, and you're like, what was I supposed to say? And so, it's, I mean, I've heard time and time again, and I believe it, it's all about reps, and it's all about getting practice, and then taking up opportunities when you get them, and then doing stuff on your own. I'll, I'll do my own podcast on the side, I do my own videos on the side, and whatever I can do, just to honestly talk about the stuff I love to talk about. I love to promote women's soccer, um, and that's what I'm going to keep doing, and hopefully it comes to a job. There's one cool story about G. Guerreri, Texas A&M. He was walking the halls last night, and I saw him. I told him you were coming. He was super excited. Break down that story because you were instrumental in bringing it out on a uh, television network. Yeah, no, he has an incredible story. So earlier on this season, I had the opportunity to interview Texas A&M players and then the coach. And for Coach G, about 20 minutes before my interview with him, I was like, I just need that one bit. I need to do a little bit more research. I scrolled through his Twitter. I was like, I need that one great question, great storyline. And I'm not kidding. I was sitting in a Starbucks parking lot, and I came across the story. He just announced or kind of came out with the story that he was adopted, and he didn't know his birth mother, and he just came out about this, and he's been in the coaching world for 20-plus years, and I was like, wow. And so I watched this video, and he sounded like he was open to talking about it, and so I was a little nervous to bring it up, just being the young, aspiring reporter I am, but I just said, you have to do it. And all I said was, Coach G, would you please tell me um, your path to Texas A&M and talk about who raised you? And he went in and he told me all about his adoptive parents, what a great childhood he had with them, and then how at the age of, I believe, 45, he finally found his birth mother and was reunited with her. And it was just a beautiful story. It was amazing to watch him tell it, too, because you could tell he was excited to kind of show this side of him that he hasn't been able to show before. Incredible. The best thing he said, by the way, because at the end of the day, Megan, you're going to figure out it's all about me is (laughs) he said that uh he's a walker now he walks everywhere and when he walks he listens to this podcast so he's going to hear you talking about things as well yeah that was the ultimate compliment right like certainly loved it and obviously i'm just kidding because it's (laughs) nothing about me but had a good time with that all right last question here i know you've got a couple interviews lined up whether they're get done today or they'll get done down the road who are some key people you're hoping to talk to well i do have a Stuart sharp from the 
U.S. Paralympic national team, who I'm very, very excited to talk to. And then I believe Lauren Gallagher, who is a sports psychologist, and she co-founded her own um, sports psychology organization, um, which I'm really interested in. And then several other psychologists, honestly, that I was really excited to talk to. I know this place is full of coaches with incredible backgrounds, but I really am interested in the psychology to coaching nice. and the relationship with players. Just being a player myself, I'm intrigued with that side of it. So I'm really excited for all the people we're going to chat with today. All right. Great to have you here. Thanks for making this happen. So excited. Megan O'Keefe, you'll hear her voice with me. You'll hear her voice on her own. And guess what, folks? You'll hear Megan O'Keefe solo with G. Guerreri, the legendary coach for the Texas A&M women's soccer team. Amazing success and an even more amazing story as he was adopted he found his birth mother recently. Megan O'Keefe was a big reason why it went public. And guess what? Megan O'Keefe sits down all by herself with G. Guerreri. You'll hear that entire interview after this message. Snap's awesome. I have five teams on Team Snap. There are no questions asked by the players, the parents. Very easy to use. Very, very, very easy. Simple to use. Everyone, you know, everything's right there. Messages, availability, boom, boom, boom. I've looked at other at other things, and I think Team Snap sets the bar for this type of team management software. It's the best that I found. And we are back with the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. And I am joined here by head coach G. Guerreri from Texas A&M. Coach, it's so, it's so great to see you. We, we chatted before the season, but it's awesome to see you here at the convention. It, it is. And it's, uh, you know, this is always a great event, the, uh, you know, what United Soccer Coaches do with this event. But it's neat to see you here. It's, it was great to see the stuff that you did with uh, ESPN and obviously the SEC network. And so uh, funny how roads cross again. Yeah. So how, how long have you been coming to this convention? Oh, gosh. Um, I've been coming to the convention uh, ever since 1988. So, I don't know. I don't, I'm don't. i not good at math. I'm not good at math. And I haven't made all of them, but I've made, uh, you know, 90% of them. And it's, it's something that has always been on my, uh, on my calendar and something that I try to get to. And looking forward to uh, next year in Anaheim. Yeah, yeah. So, have you had the opportunity to present at past years? I have. I've done uh, some stuff on marketing. I've done some stuff on promotions. Um, done some stuff, you know, with different parts of goalkeeping and different things. Uh, and you never know. May do some, some stuff in the future. You never know. Well, looking forward to the future, you are heading into your 28th season with Texas A&M. You are one of the most winningest head coaches in all of NCAA, college soccer. What are you looking forward to most in your 28th season? Uh, well, uh, championships. I mean, it is what we what we wake up and we we go after. And um, you know, for us, I I say it all the time. I'm I'm a lucky guy, and I'm really I'm the luckiest guy you've ever met. And a lot of that luck uh, carries over to the the, the people that I'm around. Um, that uh, we've been very successful. I, I'm I'm lucky that I have really successful people around me. You know, Phil and Lori Stevenson, who have been my uh, on my staff, have been with me now uh, for more than 20 years, which is you know almost unheard of uh, in uh, in college sports for sure. You know, you think of Anson and Dino have been together so long at, at Carolina. Um, you know, and then and then there's us, and so it's 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 really been special, and it's something that. You know, people ask me, so how much longer? And I'm like, I, you know, I don't know. What's Lightning could strike, but that's uh, we've, we've been doing good, and, and we have our best days ahead of us, I think. Yeah, and you brought up Anson Dorrance, and this is a stat that I read recently, and I firmly believe it, but how does it feel to be with him alone in the stat column of being the two coaches that have taken your team to 25 consecutive NCAA tournaments? Well, I mean, he's a... He is a legend, and uh, to be in the same sentence is uh, is pretty cool. And I'm, uh, you know, I'm I'm fortunate. I, I consider Anson a friend of mine, and um, and he's definitely been a uh, you know a, a mentor to so many coaches in our game. And and for me, he's uh, you know we've all learned a lot from him. And uh, I've enjoyed the competitions that we've had Texas A and M in North Carolina over the years, some barn burner, uh, especially NCAA tournament games, and. Um, like I said, it's it's one of those things you don't want to take things for granted, but uh, you know he's someone that uh, you know I, re- I really cherish the time that I've been able to spend with him, and and like I said, to be 
in a category with him, yeah. you know, amongst no one else yeah. is, uh, is pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, that's very cool. So you talk about the talent that you have surrounding you, whether it's on the field, off the field. But let's talk about some of the players you had on the field, particularly Allie Watt, who you did have to say goodbye to because she heading to the to the NWSL. She was drafted right. just last uh, last night. And a first-round pick. You know, she's the highest pick that we've had yeah. so far, and uh, and deservedly so. Uh, you know, uh, two-time first-team All-American. Um, just a, a funny person. Uh, you know, we talk about how fast she is. She probably will be the fastest player in the league uh, now on a team that has unbelievable speed with North Carolina. Um, actually, talking to Anson yesterday that, you know, the the number of people that are going to be grabbing their hamstrings <laughs> on their opponents on the other team from yeah. just chasing down that, that roster is pretty amazing. But yeah. Allie was, uh, was someone that, you know, they'd say speed kills. and uh, she, But she wasn't just a fast kid. She got better. Um, I give a lot of that credit to uh, Phil Stevenson for, you know, the things that he did with her, both sitting in front of uh, video screens and, ta- and kind of going through things and learning and becoming a little bit more, uh, you know, game savvy and a little bit more sophistication to, to her that she uh, clearly was not a one-trick pony. The goals that she scored came from all different types of uh, of uh, surfaces and, and situations and you know we we'd like to think that the, the next alley watt will be coming down the line for uh, for texas a&m before too long yeah yeah with the way that you've created a culture of this program and it is really impressive so i'm sure as a player it's Thank very you. attractive to want to come to a school like that so uh we did uh talk about a story throughout this season that um really pulled on the heartstrings of a lot of people in the soccer world. Uh, I spoke with you about it before the season, um, but not to lead in too much into it, but can you tell us about this very special person that you had the chance to meet? Well, um, for a lot of people, I think a lot of people have gotten to know this story, and mm-hmm. those of you who haven't, um, you know, yeah, you can give us some background. Uh, talk about how you know I've been blessed in, in my life, um, and I'm not a I'm not a big religious person, but uh, you know, sometimes things hit, hit you, and you know that. You know, God has a plan, and and for me, um, I was adopted as an infant in uh, in Chicago, and uh, the woman who gave me up uh, gave me up basically to give me the opportunity to have a, a better life. And I was uh, adopted by Kay and Jerry Guerreri. We lived in the uh, in the Chicago suburbs until I was eight. Um, then moved to Texas, and I grew up in uh, I grew up in the North Dallas area in Richardson. Uh, that's where I learned to play soccer. That's where I fell in love with soccer. Um, and you know, my path for soccer was kind of created there. Went off to the University of Tulsa uh, as a player, then started my coaching career, and as I say, the rest of that is history. Well. Um, but your whole life, you know, you wonder why people make decisions and what was going on. Well, I didn't even know um, my birth mother's name, really. Um, and it came down and people had always asked me, well, aren't you curious? I said, well, of course. I want to know why would somebody give me up? You know, what what did I do? And I remember asking my mom, you know, okay, uh, you know, how much did I cost? And, what you know, what is there a baby <laughs> yeah. store? Is that what happens? And she said, well, not exactly. And so... <laughs> Um, she goes, you were given up because she loved you. And I, I could, never could really understand that. Well, mm-hmm. fast forward now, um, you know, years and years, and I'm about 47 at the time. And uh, my wife, who is, let's say, is a lot smarter than I am, a lot smarter than I am, <laughs> um, who we went to high school together. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was way out of my league. <laughs> and it wasn't until our 10-year reunion that... Um, you know that we started dating and wow. we were friends in high school but just, just acquaintances mm-hmm. um well she she was one who's you know well what don't you want to know who it is and i was like mm-hmm. well i do but you know not while my mom is still alive mm-hmm. and my mom died in uh in 2001 and uh so i was like okay because I, I thought it would be offensive mm-hmm. if i went out trying to find my mother when my mom was alive yeah if, if that doesn't no Did you ever have a conversation with your with Kay about this? All the time, yeah. all the time, and uh, you know, and I always told her that you know I, I don't want to find her, and I didn't finish the sentence while you're alive, but mm-hmm. but that was that was always the case, just out of just love for her. Yeah. Well, she passed away in '01, um, and uh, so Terry in Terry said, "Do you want me to?" try to look into us and we had talked about finding a private investigator and different things to figure it out and in those days in 1963 um, a lot of the stuff is behind is under the table right. or it's closed closed off and so we never really knew i wasn't i didn't go through a big adoption agency a, a baby store um, <laughs> you looked at it it was just done through lawyers and uh and, and everything so 
Terry goes in, goes in and basically gets into the wormhole of the internet, and she wow. goes deep and deep. Like I said, very smart woman. Um, That's tough with no backlogs, no yeah, documents. Well, we, we found, you know, through, on my on my birth certificate, it said it, there was a thing that said Baby Hardman on it. Oh. So we're like, okay, well, let's try that. And I, my mom had told me once something about Indiana and uh, okay. about Indianapolis. That stuck and with you for a reason. So yeah, well, I always wanted to know, yeah. and uh, so. Eventually, she finds the uh, death records through through a, an obituary that was in the um, in the paper in uh, I think in Indy, and it talked about it was the death of what was my grandmother, and it talked about the the um, surviving people of the Hardmans, and it talked about two two sons and a daughter, and she and so Terry's like, well, this may not be because you know made names blah 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 well yeah. so she calls she looks looks around finds one of the num- numbers of one of the brothers why or brothers families calls and the wife answers and she's like and you know terry's like you know do you know a, a beth hardman and uh you know they're going oh yeah we know beth and you well do you know if she you know gave up a child for adoption uh, in 63 she's like uh, no i Wow! Whoa! Wow! Wow! And so, end up giving, passed on the number, and, and Terry said that she talked to so many people and oh, sure. a lot of really nice little old ladies named Beth Hartman <laughs> oh, yeah. who are like, "Honey, I hope you find her." And you good have luck. a Beth Hartman party. Oh, it was awesome. Yeah, I can only imagine. Um, so, uh, so she calls and um, finally gets the number of of Beth and calls her, and Beth answers, and Terry's like, "This is a really, you know." A hard thing for me to ask, but you know, my husband was adopted in Chicago in 1963, and you know, wondering if you gave up uh, a boy for adoption at that time. And there was a long silence, and then it was like, uh, "Yeah, yes, that was me." Um, and so Terry's like, "Oh my goodness, we really can't believe it!" Blah blah. And uh, I guess they both were kind of out of breath. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So Beth was the Beth was like, "Well, can I call you back in like ten minutes? I can't get my breath." <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so it's Terry, overwhelming. Terry's like, "Absolutely." So Terry immediately calls me. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm actually in training, and at this time, I don't answer my phone during practice. I'll mm-hmm. keep it with me because she scolded me once a long oh, time no. ago. But, um, but I, but I did answer the phone that day, and she was like, "You know, I found her," and wow. uh, I was like, "Wow, okay." Um, did you have time to process anything, or what did you think? Initially? Not really. My, my, so I'm, I'm like back off. Phil's talking to the team. We're talking to the team. Phil's talking to him, and I just kind of take three steps back, and I'm like, "What are you talking about?" She goes, "I found your birth mother." But I'm like, <gasps> "I go, well, listen, I'm in training right now. Let me let me call you back." So she, she's like, uh, it, "No one's talking to me." So she like called <laughs> she, her sister. She thinks she made like 30, 30 calls in these in these yeah. ten minutes. Anyway, long long story short. Uh, I, I, I find, she talks to, to Terry and uh, they start to talk a little bit and I still haven't spoken to her and so I finally I called her and I, ironically it was, it was Mother's Day when I called her and uh, in May and um, I was like you know we start kind of a conversation and you know she seems like a sweet sweet woman and we continue to talk and after a while I'm like well you know you've got you've got three grandkids you've got three grandkids and I would love to meet you and I'd love mm-hmm. to to meet anyone else up there, but I think you should you should meet your grandkids. Yeah. So we arranged uh, that we would take a trip up to uh, up to Indiana, and she lives in this itty bitty town called uh, Mitchell, Indiana, which is about halfway between Bloomington and uh, and Louisville on uh, Highway 37 there in, in in southern Indiana. So we fly up. And uh, we go up, and uh, there, all these Hardmans had come in. And mm-hmm. I was saying, it was, it was the first time I'd ever been to a family event that I looked like anybody. <laughs> you know, it was because I'm yeah. used to Guerreri's, all these little yeah. short Italian guys <laughs> with better hair than I have. Where are my and, people? Yeah, my dad always used to say tall milkman was what was his, uh, <laughs> anyway. Um, so I meet all these people, and, uh, you know, and the thing that stuck out to me the most is we're in this little town in Mitchell, Indiana, walking through, is... Uh, it's two stoplights is all it is and we're kind of walking through and and my uncle uh, Dick who uh, was the first person to go off to college he he got a degree from Purdue and then a master's from uh, Illinois he was like you know you were the biggest mystery in our family nobody knew about you at all and he goes only my father knew and Beth and my father took this secret to his grave he never told my mother and they were as close as close could be he goes i can never figure that out he goes why would he do that he goes then if it you know came if i figured out that obviously if you had if my mother had known about you she would have raised you right here in uh, in mitchell and i'm like it's a 
that that hit me mm-hmm. and um you know i remember outside of the hardware store you know wow, it, yeah. think of mayberry rfd and that's kind of mm-hmm. where, where this was and I remember kind of you know taking it back and kind of hand up against the brick wall and going and looking around and you think about all the things that you know if i'd grown if i'd grown up in mitchell which lovely people i wouldn't have been a soccer player um i wouldn't have met my wife Mm -hmm. i wouldn't obviously i wouldn't have my kids i wouldn't have been the coach at texas Mm a&m the hundreds of girls who came to texas a&m because i brought them to texas a&m wouldn't have come right um most of them wouldn't have come they wouldn't have met their husbands or their or their mates and uh which means they don't have their kids and you think about all these just crazy you know iterations that could have happened because she made a decision for me that was uh you know beth was 19 when she was pregnant she was engaged to a guy when when uh, he found out she was pregnant he left her and so you know her world is completely crushed so um, this was 10 years ago. So in the 10 years since then, um, you know, our relationship became you know, really special yeah. and great. Now, we were still at distance, and I would get up there when I could, and she would come, they, we brought them down to Texas once, and, and I, I think she was immensely proud of, of, of what we've done and the success that we've had. Um, obviously, at Texas A&M, we've had you know, amazing success. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, all of my girls graduate, you know, like I said, 25 NCAA tournament, 17 conference championships. The numbers speak for themselves. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Well, for her, you know, she goes, I don't know anything about soccer, but, you know, <laughs> so, I'm sure I'm proud of you. And this, yeah. and so, um, so we had this great relationship and you guys, you guys did an awesome story. You specifically did an awesome story, um, that appeared on the SEC network, uh, during the SEC tournament. Well, a week after that, I get a phone call from, uh, from that kind of common law husband who they've been together for 30 years. And he's like, listen, gee, he goes, Beth is, is in ICU. She's had, you know, kidney failure and, you know, she had had a lot of trouble with uh, diabetes and stuff like this. Well, she's in ICU and because I'm not officially married to her, I, I can't make these decisions. They need you to make these decisions. And I'm like, okay, well, wow. no, we've just been, we've just, it's just been announced that we're in the NCAA tournament. We're going to mm-hmm. play that Friday at home against our biggest rivals, the Texas Longhorns. And uh, wow. I'm like, Okay, I've never missed a game um, in all my years, and so I'm like, okay, and so I, I'm like, okay, well, talk. Let me let me do what I can. Give me the doctors. Let me. I'll give permission. You need to be making decisions, but let me get on. Mm, so yeah. So I talk to my staff, and I'm like, and they're like, you got to go. I go. Well, I know I got to go. I go, but <laughs> play Texas in right. four days, and uh, so. You know, I, st- I was able to stay, was able to kind of work on some motivational stuff for the players and uh, let them know that I wasn't going to be able to be there. You know, and they're like, oh, well, absolutely, you have to be with your family. Wow, so yeah. so I went off. The girls obviously took care of business. Um, they, they smoked Texas 4-1 um, to one and uh, in front of a huge crowd. And um, <laughs> my staff had a, a mis- missing man formation on the bench, <laughs> had an empty chair for me, which oh, is kind of yeah. sweet. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, but for me, it, it's just all of this is just, you know, it became closure for me with the uh, with um, her memorial service that that we had up there. And I, I was part of the eulogy and uh, just, you know, I think in, in a lot of things you think about the sadness that you have over losing someone. Well, for me, this was a gift I never had or well, I had, but I didn't have. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the last 10 years have been just really special. But again, for me, it's, you know, I've been blessed. I have been absolutely blessed to uh you know to have these people in my life but also the the path that we have and you think about you know we're we're surrounded by i think there's 13,000 soccer mm-hmm. coaches here i mean we're the luckiest guys there are i mean we yeah. wake up and wear shorts every day to, <laughs> yeah. to work um yeah. you know and i had a conversation with a colleague of mine in the sec and he was talking about a conversation that he had with um his father over over the holidays and and he was telling his dad he goes well we got this issue and blah 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 and you know he goes i you know this stuff, this stuff sucks and blah blah and his dad was like he goes, listen, I'm retired. He goes, one of these days you're going to miss that BS and mm. that grind. And he's like, yeah. you're absolutely right. And he's right. I mean, the life I have is because of Beth Hardman and the decision that she made to give me up. So, you know, when, when I talk to people about my story, I, I just want them to know that God does have a plan. There is a big yeah. plan in your part of it, and uh, you're on the right path. And for me, I'm definitely on the right path. I'm definitely in the right place. Yeah. Um, I'm not looking to go anywhere else, and I'm just looking to try to continue to have you know a good, um, 
impact on uh, on the girls who come to play for me and our, our fans and everything else and and the game I, I love growing the game it, it's truly amazing I mean every, I love hearing the story over and over again just because you just you can see it in the way you talk about it and <laughs> how you talk about your family but then you talk about your team but it's still in the same tone that you talk about your family well they are they are we're all mm-hmm. you know we, we look at we look at it the same way and I, I kind of talk about you know Phil and Lori and uh and Kurt Magnuson have been with me for so long. They're part of my family, and uh, and and we tried to treat our kids, the girls who play for Texas A&M, the young women who play for Texas A&M, mm-hmm. the same way we we treat our own kids, and uh, we love them. Um, we have to, you know, there's discipline sometimes, but it's all it's only because we love them, and we we want them to get the very best. And the same way that both of my moms wanted me to have the best, mm-hmm. I want the same for them. Yeah. Very blessed. Tear to my eye. <laughs> oh, no. we love to bring out the emotion. But it's fun. It, no, it's it's yeah. uh, it's always fun to. Uh, I'll tell anyone about it. You know, you, people yeah. love talking about themselves, and so here I am. <laughs> <laughs> but you you're, you have a great way of just bringing other people into it, and you can see every teammate that you have in your life, which I consider family yep. members, teammates, and where how that's brought you here to this point. I think that's yep. such a cool mentality. Is that something that you? talk to your players about too is surrounding themselves with that type of team whether it's athletically life-wise yeah we talk about we talk about a lot of things that and and the reason i coach at the college level and i knew when i went to college that i wanted to coach but it wasn't until i was in college that i i think it was a sophomore year i went to my to my coach walter schnorr at tulsa and i said I want to do what you're doing. I go this because I loved the level. I loved that there was a it was a good solid level of play. I loved the the point in your life that you're in in college where every I mean for me my freshman year in college was the most amazing, crazy, fun, yeah. uh, exciting, scary all at the same time. And I'm like this was such a this has been such a cool experience. I want to give this experience to other people. And I want, I think I can lead them through this. And I, you know, I had the equivalent of about a cup of coffee as a professional soccer player. You know, um, I wasn't good enough. To, I just wasn't good enough. I was a good college player. And so I was like, all right, this is where I want to be. So, um, so being able to, to always be a part of that and always being on campus. I was just talking to my girls this past week about, you know, cool. one of the cool things about college soccer for me is that every year is a different team even mm-hmm. the girls who've been with us for three four years you know every year that they've been here has been a different team and mm-hmm. a different dynamics and you know we're always looking to tweak that culture and make yeah. it better and the, the culture always comes down to love and it always comes down to caring for each other and 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 for the girls to understand that if you'll just take half a step back and you look around you're going to be in some of these girls weddings and you're going to be talking to these girls when you're 55 years yeah. old or with your 80 years old and you know and remembering and i i might be that sob that you're talking about i don't know <laughs> i hope it's not that way yeah, but yeah. it probably will we could I doubt be. it well but nonetheless this is something that's always going all the stuff that we're doing now is always going to be in your locker you're yeah. always going to be able to go back to that and and pull on it so i look at that again part of the blessing i have is i get to be i get to be a part of that mm-hmm. and uh for my colleagues in uh in in uh, in college sports, whether no matter what level, you get to do that. That's that's one of the cool things about it, and yeah. uh, I hope I hope I do it for a long, long time. Yeah, I mean, I remember being a player, and whenever we would have major losses, I know you guys didn't have many of those losses, oh, but we do. We were always told like these aren't what you remember down the road. You remember the good times with your teammates. These are your family members. So that's right. I love that you've instilled that within your team. And we can talk a little bit of soccer really quick. What can we look forward to from seeing from the Aggies in this upcoming season? Well, we have, we return some special players. Jimena Lopez comes back with us. You know, she's uh, as we speak right now. She's with the Mexican national team. They're going to be going through Olympic qualifying, and she's uh, she's the captain for our team. Um, you know, we have uh, Taylor Zemer is back. Her sister Tara is back. Addie McCain, who's one of the most creative uh, players in college soccer, is back for us as a midfield. We have all of our goalkeepers back. Um, uh, Carlina Sample will come back from injury. So, and we've got some really neat young players coming in. So again, it's a new team. Um, you know, we graduated eight seniors, but uh, the 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 culture that we have uh, is something that you know we demand excellence. Uh, the players demand excellence, and I'm looking forward to. It. We have a very tough schedule next year. I've just finished up. We just uh, scheduled BYU, wow. which is always a, as as an additional game with all the other tough games we have out of conference plus uh, the SEC, which is getting stronger mm-hmm. and stronger every year. So yeah. it'll be fun challenges. Yeah. Um, I, like I said, uh, 
to quote Anson, I, I wake up and I go to uh, I go to recess every day. So <laughs> awesome. it'll it'll be a fun way to uh, to go about it. And 2020 and and beyond are going to be great. It's awesome. Well, thank you very much, Coach, for I stopping in, spend the time. Thanks with for us. being here. Thanks for being at the convention. And, this is uh, fun. A lot of uh, there's a lot of great people involved in this organization. Yeah, and, uh, and it, it's you know it's cool that Dean gets to do this podcast. I mm-hmm. told him, you know, I uh, I had my hip replaced a couple years ago oh and. And so I've been able to be a walker again. I go out and walk, and I tell Dean last night, I go, you know, you go for a walk with me once a week, you know, all the time. Oh, you listen so, in? Yeah, That's and I listen awesome. to a lot of podcasts, so I think it's it's cool, and it's That's something that nice. I know a lot of people uh, really enjoy. Awesome. Well, now you're a part of it. So we were very happy to have you on here. This was the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. And how about that? All of you get to meet Megan O'Keefe. So glad to have her as part of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. And all of us get to learn the incredible story of G. Guerrero, who was adopted, found his birth mother. And G, thanks also for taking a walk with me and the United Soccer Coaches podcast and visiting with Megan O'Keefe. What a great way to wrap up an incredible week in Baltimore. I hope you enjoyed the United Soccer Coaches podcast. If you'd like to get on the podcast and have an interesting story to tell, email me at deanclinky, deanclinky at gmail.com. For Kyle Lang and his great work as a producer in Baltimore, Michael Knipper and Sean Chevrel from United Soccer Coaches, Megan O'Keefe, who you met today and did a great job in her interview with G. Guerrero, I'm Dean Linky. We'll see you same time, same channel next week weekend every week for 52 weeks a year for another edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. Thanks, everybody.